A few months ago, I was at the local coin laundromat. I went late because I had been studying, so around 10 p.m. The laundromat is pretty small, close to the edge of the beach town that I live in. The town is pretty well known for drifters and people experiencing homelessness. Most people are friendly, although there is a lot of drug use, but I've never really felt scared in my town. Everything was fine until I went to move my laundry to the dryer. I was listening to music in my headphones, but not super loudly. Suddenly, I just got the feeling that someone was watching me. I can't really explain it, I just felt the presence. I turned around, and there was a man standing just a few feet away from me. He was a white guy, with pink hair, wearing a full face mask. Like a ski mask, a hoodie, gloves, and sunglasses. Even though it was dark out. The gloves and sunglasses immediately made me feel uncomfortable. I thought maybe he was a drifter, or high, but I didn't want to be rude. I tried to laugh it off and told him he surprised me. He immediately started talking. A lot of it was disjointed and just didn't make sense. He was talking about coming up from Brazil to bring his brother money to get a classic car, but he would ask me questions and wait for me to respond, so I tried to just play along. I still thought he was probably just high or something, but he was standing between me and the only door, and I started getting this gut feeling that he was blocking the door on purpose, not just accidentally as he talked to me. He was getting closer to me as he talked, and the feeling got stronger. Logically, something was off, but mostly, I just had this feeling in the pit of my stomach that I needed to leave and keep him talking until I could. I started to edge to the side, but he stayed in front of me, and the feeling got more intense. I started to grip my keys in attack position, just in case. He talked more, and then backed off a little. He took off his backpack, which was a child's unicorn backpack, and set it on the nearby dryer. I looked over to the door for just a second, and when I looked back, he was pulling something out, but I couldn't see it as he hid it behind himself. But I did see what was in his backpack. Duct tape. Instantly, it was just like an alarm went off. There was no more worrying about being rude, no more second-guessing myself that he was just off, but harmless. It was like this cold, numb dread just washed down over me. I almost felt calm, like I knew the next steps knew I had to do something. Time seemed to move in slow motion, and he turned back to me, not saying anything more, and he took a step forward. I gripped my keys as tightly as possible and tried to mentally prepare to fight. I remember being afraid that I would move too slow or be too weak, like in a nightmare. But all of a sudden, the door to the laundromat opened and a woman walked in, barely even looking at us as she went to get her laundry. It was like a scene in a movie, a moment of intensity just interrupted by something innocuous, and then suddenly it's over. He just turned, got his bag, and left. I was so scared, I just stayed there a minute, recomposing myself, until I could get my laundry and just go home. I didn't report it. I never knew what to say, since nothing had actually happened. But when I think about it, I think the scariest thing is that he left as soon as someone walked in. If he was just crazy, it wouldn't have mattered. I think a stranger's laundry timer saved me from something terrible. I don't go to that laundromat anymore. I joined a laundry service. The extra cost is worth it to never go back and to never come face to face with that man with the unicorn backpack ever again. My name is Luke. I'm French, 26 years old, and currently live in Australia. And I have since May of 2019. I met my girlfriend Mina, who is of Japanese origin, 
one month after my arrival in Australia on a strawberry farm where we both worked. We worked over there for several months until the health crisis hit our planet, so no more work on the farm. We have to find something else. At that time, we had two choices. Go back home, and we split up, or stick together and try to get through this event on our own. Spoiler, we chose the second solution. We decided to leave our seasonal job in the countryside to go into town to try to find a new job. Bingo. Good news for me, an employer has agreed to hire me to work on a local Australian football team. This employer will be named Kathy. Kathy explains to me that I can work for the football team, but that currently, because of the health crisis, a containment will be mandatory even if at this time Australia is rather spared compared to Europe. Anyway, I'm hired, but I'm going to have to wait until the lockdown passes and the football season resumes. So I explain that it tempts me, but that it'll be difficult for Mina and me to remain unemployed during the confinement because we have to pay rent, food, etc. You should know that Kathy has a heart as big as Australia. Sensitive to our situation, she explains that she has a solution for us. She has a holiday home several kilometers away from Brisbane that belonged to her father who is now in a retirement home where we could stay for free while confinement is in progress. At this time, I don't believe it too much. I tell myself that there is something fishy, but in front of the situation, I agree. This is the best solution for us. We accepted and moved into this house a few days later. Animal Crossing, Splatoon, MK, we enjoyed playing video games during this lockdown. Everything is going well, we feel a little lonely because this house is isolated in the countryside, but apart from that, we are well, we have a garden, and this is all for free. I also have to point out that this house is like in the middle of nowhere. I just have a single neighbor, John, who takes care of horses, and that's it. Other details that will have their importance. In this house, there's a main entrance door with large fuzzy glass, so you can't really distinguish things through it. There's also another wooden door behind the house that overlooks a veranda connected to the house. This house is a single story, so there are no floors, and to finish, no curtains at the window except in the bedroom. Three or four weeks after we move in, Kathy calls me with good news. I can go to work. First day of work, everything goes smoothly, I like what I do, very good atmosphere, etc. The only problem is, we're still in Kathy's father's house, which is several miles from Brisbane, and I don't have a car, so my commute is an hour and a few trains to go, and the same to come back. But like I said before, I have nothing to complain about. For the record, Mina was still looking for work. She wasn't as lucky as I was, so she was mostly at home while I'm working. Second day of work, 5pm, and I'm about to finish my job when I get a call from Mina. She whispers, and her voice is trembling, so within the first second, I know that something's wrong. Here's where I'll switch from my point of view to hers to give you the maximum amount of detail. She was quiet, playing Animal Crossing on the couch, when she suddenly saw a silhouette through the blurred window of the main entrance door. Too small and too wide for me, or even our neighbor John, and she understands it very quickly. She stares at this figure that is now motionless facing the front door. It is at that moment, when she tries to get up to gently walk away from the door, that this guy begins to frantically knock. Her heart is racing, she doesn't know what to do. She tries to be as discreet as possible so this guy thinks that no one is there, or will open the door to him. She decides the closet is her best option. Hiding between the hangers and her clothes, while also praying for him to go, she suddenly remembers that there is a second door behind the house 
that is open, and she doesn't know if it's locked or not. Courageously, she decides to rush to the house to reach the back door, but during her run, she sees the guy sneaking past one of the windows of the kitchen on his way to do the same. Panicked, but already in her race, she decides to go to the end and try everything for the hole. She must close this door before he tries to open it. Almost immediately as she presses the latch, she hears the individual trying to push the door open. Completely frightened, she goes back to hiding in the closet, and that's when she calls me. Through her panic, it's a little difficult for me to wrap my head around what is happening, but I immediately try to calm her down so that I can get a clear picture on what's going on right then. I realize that I need to get home as soon as possible and help to remove her from this dangerous situation. I ask her to stay in the closet, call the police, and then call me right back so she can stay on the phone with me until I reach home. In her state, she says that there's no way that she can call the police and that she would rather stay on the phone with me, which I can admit was not the best solution. She should have called the police, but I was in a state of total stress and the fact of having her on the phone calmed me down as I'm sure it did the same for her. I order an Uber and after a few minutes of painful waiting, I'm in the car on the way home with Mina on the phone. She explains to me that she can no longer hear anything. There's no one knocking on the door and no other noises around the house. I advise her not to move, but she finally motivates herself to take a look outside of the closet. A few moments later, she confirms that the silhouette is no longer visible behind the door and that no one seems to be around the house. When I reach the front of the house, I run inside, meet Mina, and give her a big hug explaining that I'm here and that she has nothing to fear. It's 6 p.m., and it's night at this time of year in Australia. I check the locks and try to pass the time by playing a game and watching anime, basically trying to get everything back to normal as quickly as possible. But only later did I realize how big of a mistake that was. Time has passed, and it's now time for bed. After a little while of tossing and turning, I was able to finally drift off, until about 1 a.m. when the neighbor's horses wake me up. Mina, still not really asleep, asked me what that noise was, and I answer that it's the neighbor's horses, when all of a sudden, someone starts knocking frantically at the door. It sounds super strong, like they're halfway to breaking down the door already. I can tell you right then that I discovered what adrenaline was. Before shooting out of bed, I'm already sure that it's the same guy, and he's been trying to get into the house this whole time. Mina screams. I start to tremble. I have this feeling of being paralyzed, but still have so much energy to spend. It's the strangest feeling I've ever had in my life. I finally get myself up in order to barricade the back door and then call the cops. The instant that I hit the hallway, I hear a dull and metallic noise. Damn. He opened the back door. He's on the porch now. With only one rickety door between us at this point, I can tell that he's still determined to come inside, and I'm sure that he's going to be able to enter. I've never been much of a fighter, but it's not even a choice at this point. I get the biggest kitchen knife that I have, and I place myself in an angle that I have the best chance of catching him by surprise when he does get in. I'm willing to use that knife to defend myself and Mina at all costs. I'm so scared, but at the same time, so confident. It too is a very strange feeling. When suddenly, in the midst of her millions of thoughts, Mina screams, Stop! Call the police. As she throws my phone at me, I realize that her idea may be best. Instead of standing here and just waiting for this man to break our door in, I can call the cops 
get them on their way here, and still stay in position to defend ourselves when he does break down the door. The phone call must have lasted 40 seconds at most. The policeman on the phone understood directly that it was serious. He asked me the address, and they were on their way. At this moment, I find myself a little more relieved while staying on the lookout. This is where the individual starts mumbling, incomprehensible stuff, but I can hear him plain as day. This is of absolutely no reassurance to me because the noises that I hear are either a drunk or drugged guy or potentially a mental patient. Within 10 minutes, the police have arrived and I've never been happier to see flashing lights. Four cops and one police dog. When I see them approaching the house, I hear noises behind the door. The individual seems to get scared, give up, and run off. I hear the dog barking, the policeman screaming, and a man groaning in pain. It was over. The individual who moments ago was seconds away from kicking in our door has been neutralized and thrown into a cop car. One of the officers remained to talk to us and take our side of the story and then find out whether we wanted to file a complaint or not. He told us that there was a chance that this man was a rehab patient who'd recently run away. He was also sure to tell us that he was not absolutely positive at the time and that they'd have to verify the identity of the man. But after they left, we never heard back from the police on this front. Left wondering who that man was, what was wrong with him, and what he actually wanted, both Mina and I decided that it would be best if we gave up our free accommodations and headed back into the city. Although we wanted to think that this was a single, solitary event, that we'd be able to move past this, we realized that if it were to happen again, it may be the last time altogether. I used to deliver packages in the mail for a company in the south. A lot of the daily routes were in the hills and woods. Last year, I had a route that was super deep country. I was used to back roads and the country now at this point in the job. There's some houses I stopped at where the driveway is super steep or some other stuff, but for the most part, everyone was super friendly out there. Country folk. Well, I had a delivery that was down this long gravel street. There was only a few houses on my journey to the house that my delivery was at. Still, at this point, I'm totally fine. When I arrive at my destination, there's no mailbox, no driveway, no gravel. You could make out a little bit of a path that has been made by cars driving to the house, but I'm serious when I say just a little bit. The driveway is maybe 250 yards long with the house at the end of it. I'm only sketched out because I'm in the woods and land is super unpredictable here meaning you just never know where there's a drop-off. I'm in a huge box truck, so if one tire was to slip off the side, the whole thing is going down. So I'm driving probably less than a mile an hour, taking my time, being extremely cautious. As I'm making this drive back to the house, I start kind of checking out my surroundings. I pass a really old, broken-down truck that the ground has started to reclaim. Again, super common back here. No biggie. As I get further and further down the driveway, I noticed that I probably passed about four satellite dishes. I start approaching the house, which from the outside looks like it's a Walter White season five style cabin. It's a shack. I park and kind of just check out my surroundings. After about a minute, I was like, okay, I'm just gonna deliver it and leave. I walk up to the front door of this cabin thing and the front door had a large glass window in it. Not modern, think old time like a cabin that was built in the late 50s 
with zero repairs. As I sit the small package down in front of the door, I glance inside the house. The main room, which would be like a living room I'm guessing, is completely empty. The only thing that is in this room are two foldable metal chairs, both unfolded, both facing a corner of the room. But nothing is in that corner. In the meantime, I'm trying to do my job with my right hand, where I keep making very quick glances inside. From what I saw, there was nothing in that house. Nothing. It was a shell. The kitchen may have had old appliances in it, but I wasn't really paying attention to that part. My sixth senses kicked in, and my brain obviously said, This isn't right. So I turn around and start walking back to my truck, maybe 30 feet away. I take my hood off my head and take my hat off so I can have a full peripheral view around me. I immediately start looking to see where the closest neighbor's house is. I see a building up the hill just a tiny bit, but it honestly looked like it was on this guy's property. I'm sure this was my head playing major tricks on me, but as I'm walking back to my truck, I just feel a presence with me. I feel like it's hanging onto my back, getting heavier and heavier with every single step closer to the van that I took. I jumped in my van, locked the doors, and checked the back to make sure no one was in there. Now back to this nearly invisible driveway. I back down it, checking my surroundings everywhere. I make it back onto the road. As I'm driving down the road, maybe 40 feet away from this dude's entrance of a driveway, there's a trash bag in the middle of the street. It's opened just a tiny bit. I slow down, and it looks like there's a woman's sweater or something like that in there. While I was for sure interested in what was in it, there was no way that I was stopping. My instinct said that something was up. I immediately contacted my buddy and told him about it. He suggested I go back and snap a few pictures. While not the best idea, I agreed. About five minutes go by and I make it back to the address and the trash bag is completely gone. I looked everywhere on the street and the side of the road, completely gone. But get this, I always thought about how I never know what I'm delivering or who I am delivering to. When I first landed this job, I remember thinking how crazy it would be if someone was holding people hostage in their house, torturing them, and ordered their food and house supplies online because they're afraid of leaving the house with the kidnapped people being left alone. For some reason, that's all I could think about when dropping off this package. I left that job not even a week later, but I did tell my boss and he assured me that he would contact the local police department and take that house off of our normal route schedule. I never heard anything back about it. I'm aware that if police went out there and found something, or somebody, I would immediately be called in to tell them what I saw. So I'm going to assume that they went out to check and found nothing. But in the same sense, it makes me wonder about the trash bag that immediately disappeared once I left. I still don't know what was going on up there, I still don't know who I was delivering to, and I don't know why the entire vibe just left me feeling shaken. But it's still something that I carry with me to this day, and I don't sense it going away anytime soon. So while I don't deliver anything for a living, anytime I'm on a country road and see a trash bag on the side, it tends to transport me right back to that same moment all over again.